Well, welcome. Welcome to Soul Sanctuary. I'm uh, Jerry. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're just thrilled that you can join us this Christmas Eve. Uh, tonight, it's all about family. It's, uh, we are thrilled that you're here. You'll notice that when you came in, you were handed candles, you were handed glow sticks for the kids, as well as activity packs. Uh, our church is a family church. We uh, love kids, uh, hence we got the tables on the outside. If they want to color and draw, it's there for them. Uh, there will be a time where I'll be calling them forward to participate in a little story. Uh, and the reason is, is that we're all here together, and this is a family time. So you're going to see kids moving around, maybe making a little bit of noise. That's okay. We invite it so parents don't get uptight. Um, don't get worked up. It's Christmas Eve. They're kids. It's going to happen, and we're just thrilled that they're here. And so tonight, we're going to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And our gathering is one of Scripture and carols. That's very, very simple. Uh, the, the Scriptures accompany the narrative uh, of the Christmas message. And so therefore, there's no sermon, so you can applaud now or save it for later. It's all okay. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, this, Like I said, we have a variety of carols. And I want to encourage you to sing along. The words will be up on the screen. But also, if you just want to sit and listen, that's totally cool by us. Because sometimes that's very meaningful for people. Our, our hope, our desire is that this evening is a meaningful time for you and your family. And also, sometimes carols are just unfamiliar. And we understand that. So it's okay if you're not singing. But you're in the moment with us. And that's what we are looking for. We're just glad that you're here and that you can experience a worshipful experience. And so the Christmas story begins in the Old Testament. It begins with the Old Testament prophets. And it's more than 700 years ago with Jesus' birth. Prior to his birth, there's this gentleman, this prophet by the name of Micah. And he was talking to the common people of Judah of his time. He was talking to them about the trials that they were going through. And then what he does is he drops a little nugget of hope right in the midst of everything that he's saying. And there's this word called Ephaphratha, which is the name, ancient name for the town Bethlehem. And Micah says this, But you, Bethlehem Ephaphratha, though you are small amongst the clans of Judah, you are, out of you will come uh, for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Isaiah follows Micah by about 50 or so years later. He comes from an upper-class family. He rubs shoulders with royalty. He was a prophet at the court in Jerusalem. And in chapter 9 of the book of Isaiah, he is providing hope for the future. The future of Judah. When, when he includes these familiar verses that... Handel memorialized in the Messiah. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So, this evening rejoice, for God is with us, Emmanuel. In the darkness of our world shines God's holy light. There is a reason to hope 
There's a reason to love. There's a reason to laugh. There's a reason to live. Because God is truly with us and we are not alone. Thanks be to God. And so, I'm going to invite you to stand with me and stand with uh, our singers as we sing the carol, Oh Come, All Ye Faithful. The words will be up on the screen for you. Acknowledge the person sitting in front of you, behind you, beside you, with a handshake, a high five, a shoulder, a pump, a fist pump, however it is, but let them see their eyes, let them know you're here, and then you may be seated. I gotta love the rumbling when we gather together. That's absolutely fabulous. So the, the story of Jesus' birth obviously begins in the Old Testament. It moves and continues through the New Testament. The Christmas story in the New Testament is told by both Matthew and Luke. And it, the Gospel of Matthew itself, it was written to the, uh, the Jews to answer their questions about Jesus. And so Matthew's Gospel's message begins with Jesus' genealogy. 
beginning with Abraham. And then he provides a picture of Jesus' birth. Let me read it. He says this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be a child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to simply divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home and his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. The Christmas story is also told by St. Luke. Luke was a doctor, a physician. He was the author of both the book of Luke and the book of Acts in the New Testament. Uh, he was a close friend of the Apostle Paul. They, they traveled frequently together and Luke was converted to Christianity after Jesus' death and resurrection. So he actually, when writing his gospel and his account of the apostles, he relied heavily uh, on eyewitness accounts for the events that he himself did not witness. Beginning with uh, verse 5 of chapter 1, Luke tells the story of Zechariah's encounter with an angel where the birth of John the Baptist is foretold. And Luke continues with Mary's encounter with an angel where she's told of these unbelievable events that are about to come true. And so in Luke we read this. It says, In the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. Mary, you had found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, she said, how, is this, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. After pondering what was just said, Mary responded. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. And then the angel left her. So what can happen is that we can assume that Mary was pretty much beside herself in this whole moment. We, we don't really understand her emotional responses to this angel's visit, but given the similarity of their encounters with angels, Mary decides now to go and visit and to share her anticipation with her cousin Elizabeth, the wife of Zechariah, this 
expectant mother of John the Baptist. And so again, we pick it up in Luke and it says, At that time, Mary got ready. She hurried down to a town in the hill country of uh, Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her and that it will be accomplished. And Mary says this. It's called the Magnificent. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. His holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed his mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent away the rich empty. He's helped his servant Israel. Remember to, to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he has said to our fathers. Now Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then... She returned home. That's the Magnificent, as I said earlier. It apparently comes from the first word of the Latin translation. And it's actually a much-loved piece of the Christian tradition. That piece actually contains 15 quotes from the Old Testament, which really indicates how well the Old Testament was known by Mary. That Magnificent was Mary's response to her growing realization of just what her role in God's plan was to be. And because of its beauty, because of its elegance, the Magnificent was no doubt inspired by the Holy Spirit. And of course, we then pick it up back in Luke and it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. And so Joseph and also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to that house line, the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, a time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. Let's sing O Holy Night, shall we?
So following the birth of Jesus, Luke goes on. He begins to tell the story of the shepherds. And, you know, you can't help but love this story if you know it. Because there seems to be more Christmas carols being sung about the shepherds than actually any part of the Christmas story. There's no media. There's no Facebook. There's no Twitter. There's no Instagram, right? And the Holy Spirit uses plain, old, common shepherds to tell the story of the birth. The Holy Spirit even continues to rely on us, common folks, to continue to tell the story to this very day. Luke writes, it goes, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Can you imagine that? And then the angel says, Don't be afraid. (laughs) Yeah, right. But I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find that baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Let's sing, angels, we have heard on high. Stand with us and sing. Angels, we to sing that Gloria, you may sit down and catch your breath. 
When the angels had left him, the, the shepherds, they said to one another, they said, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurry off, and sure enough, they find Mary and Joseph, and they find the baby, which was lying in a manger. And when they seen him, they, they went out from there, and they began to spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed as to what the shepherds said to them. Scripture goes on, it says, But Mary treasured up all these things, and, they, and she pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The first Noel The angel did say Was to certain poor shepherds In fields where they lay In fields where they lay Keeping their sheep On a cold winter night That was so After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. This is what Matthew writes. And he goes on, he says, They asked the question, Where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Matthew also adds, he says that when Herod, the king at the time, heard this, he was very disturbed. Herod then called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, listen, go and make a careful search for this child because as soon as you find them, come back, report to me so that I can too go and worship him as well. And after they heard the king and they went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And so when they saw the star, they were overjoyed and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped him. 
They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. I want to invite the kids who feel brave enough to come up here with Pastor Jerry. I want to read a story called The Legend of the Christmas Stocking. Are there any kids that want to come up here? Come and sit with me. I got a story. And you know, even for the parents, we're going to put, oh, you want to sit on my lap? Okay, fabulous. Well, okay, I can take two. You want to sit here? All right. You got your jammies on already? Don't you think it's a little early for that? You're going to sit right there? Awesome. So you guys all ready for Christmas? Yeah, anything? And I've got three cars. You got I've got three? Legos at home. You got Legos? Yeah. yeah. And I got a camp, a camper little Legos. Oh, yeah, awesome. I can transform it. I can just build it into two more things. You, you know what your parents really like? They like it when you leave their, your Lego all over the floor at night. So when they're walking and they step on them with their bare foot. They love that. Right? No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. No? She does. Do you think that your mom should go for counseling and I can help her like work through these issues? Do you think that's possible? I don't know. No, you don't know? <laughs> One says no. <laughs> okay. So this is called The Legend of the Christmas Stocking. All right. And I'd like to read it to you and, and show you the story. What did you guys think of the, the, the story and the candles that are going on over there? What, did, what, what are your thoughts about that? Is that? It's different, right? You haven't seen that before, have you? You know what? My wife, Sharon, there on the piano, she thinks it's a fire hazard. So, you know, we've done. we got a fire extinguisher. So Steve over there has a fire extinguisher just in case. So everybody's safe. Is that all right? You feel safe now? Sharon, do you feel safe? Okay, that's good. All right. So here, here's the start. So it's called The Legend of the Christmas Stocking. And uh, for you adults, the, there will be pictures up on the screen just so you can engage as well. New York Evening Post, get it here, Peter replied. And he waved his newspaper because he was a paper boy. A man reached for the paper. He said, Peter, is there any word about your father? No, sir, the boy answered, but we expect his ship to return soon. So Peter is a paper boy. He's selling papers on the streets of New York, and his dad is a sailor. Yeah, you can sit right there, bud. Come on. All right. There's lots of room. I lost weight. It's a good thing. Peter thanked the man, and he started to run. So there's the picture right there. Okay, you guys all see that? Because your, your parents can see it on the screen. All right, let's move on here. The next picture. There we go. Peter ran to the wood shop. He burst into the store and he said, where is it? Slow down, Pete, said Uncle Jim with a laugh. You didn't sell it, did you? Asked Peter. So you notice, see Peter, he runs into the store and he's looking. He's looking for something, right? The woodworker carefully set a model ship on the counter. Peter held his breath. He had been saving his extra newspaper money to buy his model, this model. It's a copy of your father's ship, said Uncle Jim. You really didn't think I'd sell it to somebody else, did you? Peter said, I was worried, Uncle Jim. Why did you take it out of the window? And so here's, here's Peter and Uncle Jim, and Peter's looking at the, the picture, right? You see that? Oh, good. I'm glad you're looking at the screen. I didn't want you to feel left out. All right. I love honesty. <laughs> Peter looked at the stockings where the ship had stood just yesterday. Why'd you hang up some old socks? He asked. They're told to hold Christmas presents 
answered Uncle Jim. Lemon drops for your sisters, chocolates for your mother. But the ship would never fit, Peter said. Peter, said Uncle Jim, what if your dad doesn't get back by Christmas? Would you be willing to use the money you saved to buy presents for your family instead? Wow, Peter swallowed hard. My dad will be back. I hope so, said Uncle Jim. Then when Peter got home, he said, Mom, Uncle Jim said I should buy gifts for the girls, but I really want that model ship. His mother sighed, I know. I know you do. But how would your sisters feel on Christmas if you have that boat and they only have an apple and a piece of candy? See, there was a very poor family at the time. Dad said I could use the extra money I earned to buy the boat. And Peter tried not to cry. I just want him to come home. His mother hugged him. I know, she said. I miss him too. On Sunday morning, Peter hitched the horse to the sleigh his dad had built. You see that picture? You see the picture there? It's a sleigh. They don't have cars back then when this story was written. And as he drove his mother and sisters to church, Peter tried not to think of how hard he was working. He couldn't remember how long his father had been away at sea as a sailor, and he tried not to think of how much he wanted that boat. And just as Peter settled into the pew or the seat, Pastor Spring began to speak. And he said this, I've hung up my best pair of socks because I want to tell you a story. A story about giving, he said. We hang up our stockings on Christmas Eve for a reason. And it all began a long, long time ago. Many, many years ago lived a poor shoemaker. One day a young man stepped into the shoe shop and asked, Are you and your daughters well? I'm fine, Nicholas, the shoemaker replied. But my daughters want to get married. I can't pay for their weddings. I can't even pay for their dowries. I have no money. And without the money, my girls can never get married. The shoemaker realized that and simply said, God will help. God will help. A few nights later, the shoemaker sat near the fire with his daughters when all of a sudden, through the window, a bag of gold coins came into his house. And the oldest girl picked it up and the whole family began to celebrate because now she could get married. And the father, he ran out to see who had given that, them the gold, but the street was empty. He couldn't see anybody out there. Shh, don't tell the, no, don't tell the story. Don't tell the story. We'll get to it at the end. Santa. One says God, one says Santa. Hmm. We'll see. At, after the eld, eldest daughter's wedding, a second bag of gold through the window fell into the house. Now the second daughter could wed. Now she could get married. But again, the shoemaker, he ran outside, he looked around, and he couldn't find who gave it. So now she got married. And then another pouch of gold threw, flew through the window, and it landed in the youngest daughter's stocking. And the shoemaker saw a man running away from the window, and he chased after him. Is it Santa? Is it God? We don't know. Nicholas, is that you? Asked the father. And sure enough, it was that man at the beginning of the story. His name was Nicholas. 
And Nicholas said this. No, it wasn't Santa. It was Nicholas. Nicholas said this. Before my parents died, they gave me three bags of gold. When you told me about your daughters, I knew I had to help. Then the shoemaker said, but you gave us all three bags. And we did absolutely nothing to deserve them. Now remember, pastor, the pastor was telling this story. And he says, Nicholas served God. And Nicholas knew that God gave us Jesus, even though we didn't deserve him. And when we give, and when we give to others, it shows God's love. And as the story of the gold spread, people started to hang stockings over the fireplace each year. And I can't think of a better way to remind us of God's gift to us. Who is Jesus? Peter thought of his own pouch of money and he asked God to help him be more giving, right? And then he whispered aloud, and God, please bring my dad back home. So on Christmas morning, Peter watched his sisters empty their stockings. Each of them had an apple, some lemon drops. Do you know what a lemon drop is? It's a candy. It's a lemon candy. It tastes really good. Especially if you're old, it tastes really, really good. And a beautiful hand-carved wooden doll. And Peter gave a big hug to his mother. And uh, his mother gave Peter a big hug back and said, you worked very hard to buy these presents. And then what Peter did is he turned around and he gave his mother a gift. And the gift was her favorite chocolates. The kind that her his father would give to his mother. And inside the box was a small card that simply said, I miss him too. Suddenly the door flew open and there stood Peter's father. And he led Peter outside where in the wagon stood that wooden ship, bigger and more beautiful than Peter remembered. And you see it on the screen there. And his father looked at Peter. He said, I'm proud of you, son. He put his arm around him. And Peter smiled and gave thanks for the story of the stockings. And the story of giving that had reminded him of that's what Christmas is all about. It's about giving. Are you guys excited for tonight? Yes. Are you yes. excited for tomorrow? Yes. One more day. One more and day. And you're excited for Christmas. Is anybody doing something different or special? Are you seeing anybody special? Guess what? I have a plane at home. You have a plane. Awesome. Guess what? Uh, my dad filled my, our stockings to the top. He did. Did he, like, did he save any for me? Now? Oh. Well, listen. I want to continue with the story, but how about we go back to our moms and dads and, and aunts and uncles and grandparents? Can we do that? And we're going to finish up pretty soon. And, oh, wait. Don't go away. I have something to tell you. At the end of our gathering, after it's all over and you're walking outside, we have a special gift from you from Miss Penny. No, don't say what it is. But it's nut free, egg free, gluten free, and probably flavor free. I'm just saying it. <laughs> right? So parents, we're thinking about all of you. And if there's leftover... We give them to the bigger kids and we go up in age. So kids of all ages until they're all gone. Let's go back to our moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and our aunts and uncles.
<laughs> yeah, so I kid you not, nut free, gluten free, egg free. To me, that's flavor free. So it's all there. So kids, as you're going back, does the Christmas story end? Is it over? It's not. There's still more to the Christmas story. There's no rest for the weary, actually. Because the trip from Bethlehem to Jerusalem was a few miles. There was no public transportation. But Mary and Joseph and Jesus, what they did is they went up to Jerusalem. They went to the temple for a visit. Again, Luke takes the time. He begins to write it down. He says, on the eighth day. So eight days after Jesus was born, it was time to circumcise him. Uh, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of the purification, according to the law of Moses, was completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it was written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. In modern literature, when we take a look at this, the story of Simeon, what I'm about to get into, is probably called a sidebar. It's a story of promise, of being fulfilled. It's, and it's a story of Simeon's praises to God. Luke documents it. He says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the, the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord Christ. So moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon, and you got to imagine this, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have now seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. Simeon was beside himself with the joy of the fulfilled promise. But it wasn't the joy that led to his, his blessing and his own prophecy. After all, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the sword that he mentions refers to the agony eventually that Mary herself would bear. Scripture says that the, child, uh, the, the parents of the child uh, marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Again, we continue with the story. We come across Anna, who was a woman of God, a woman of faith. She knew who Jesus was when she also first saw him in the temple carried by Mary and Joseph. Luke writes, he says, There was also a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but she worshipped there day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, here's a young set of parents, some old guy just grabbed the baby out of their hands. And now this old grandmother comes and does the same thing. And she gave thanks to God. She spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Will you do me a favor? Will you just bow your heads and can I pray? Will we do that? God, we just confess that we often find darkness more comfortable than light. 
We confess that we find your good news frightening at times and even unsettling, especially when we consider its demands as well as its promises. And sometimes, God, I think we have to confess that we find Christmas has become more to us than really the birthday of Christ, partly because we don't want a Christ child in our lives or even in our world. So God, forgive us. My prayer this Christmas is that not only would you forgive us, that you would break us, that you would bend us, that you would remake us. That you would give us the courage to lay ourselves open to the wonder and healing of your coming. Be born again into our world. Be born again into our hearts. Be born again into our lives. So here now are silent and personal confessions as we just prepare our hearts for your nativity tonight. Amen. You all have a candle that we have given to you, I trust. And for the children, we have glow sticks. Parents, if you want your child with a candle, that's up to you, but it's your responsibility. If this place goes up in flames, you know who we're looking at. That's all I can say. Basically, the way that I'd like to do this, I'm going to invite... Two on the outside of the front rows. Yes, I'm putting you. Welcome back. Glad to have you, Sam. But if you can take the angel candle, please. And if uh, you can light off of uh, Lisa's candle and then begin to pass the light down this section. Steve, Chrissy, one of you, if you can each do the same as well and begin to look after your section here. Can I get two volunteers over here on this side? Justin, can I ask you to come? start on that one as well. All, Evelyn, can I get your help? Thank you, sir. Go ahead. We're just going to pass the candles. Continue to pass down, Steve, if you can walk up the aisle for the people. It just makes it easier. You can't do a candlelight service without everybody having candles in their hand and singing Silent Night. The true light that enlightens has come into the world. The light that shines on in the darkness, and the darkness has never been able to put it out. And that's the good news. God has heard our confession as we have prayed. God has forgiven our sin. And we just simply say, thanks be to God. And that's what the Christmas season is truly all about. You're here to celebrate You're here to be with one another. You're here to hear the stories told. And I'm so thankful that you're here. From my family to yours, may you have a blessed Christmas. Let's sing.
Let's sing the third verse a cappella. Let's lift our voices, shall we? extended his hands for a blessing those receiving the blessing could do likewise but you got fire in your hands so I'm going to suspect that you're just going to keep your hearts up for this blessing why don't you stand with me upon the end of the blessing you can extinguish your candles you can put them out as you exit like I said Penny and her team put together some wonderful treats for everybody we don't want any leftovers so please, uh, make sure all the kids get theirs first, and then we'll go to bigger kids right up to the oldest kid in the room. How's that sound? May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May you see past all the shadows to the form. May you see him tonight as you walk into your house, or as you drive around and see the lights. May you see him tomorrow morning as you open presents. And may you see his beauty. May you see his depth. May you see the meaning behind everything. And this, Soul Sanctuary, is my prayer for you. You're loved. And Merry Christmas. Be blessed. And have a great one. Amen.